We're just okay, and we play some movies. We're just okay, movie watchers. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just Okay Movies. I'm your host, Biggie Size, and I'm joined by Guido. Hello, everybody. Hey, 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 Guido, man. I think it's it may be almost a year since the last time we recorded. I think it was around this time. We yeah, we did it uh, after the Oscars last year because we, I remember we talked about the slap. Yes, touched on it. That's right. That's right. Oh, speaking of which, have you watched that uh, Chris Rock special? I haven't yet. Actually, no, I started to, but then I uh, got distracted and turned it off. Was it? How far did you get in? I don't know. Ten minutes. Holy moly. I haven't seen it, so I don't really know much about it other than he talks about it in some form. So was it just kind of basic ass Chris Rock like? Currently, or was he a little bit better than normal? Or I guess he wasn't like prime Chris Rock. It's the same Chris Rock. I won't do it a disservice of trying to do a Chris Rock impression. Sure. Sure. uh, Yeah. Um, He didn't even get to the slap when I was watching it. You know, standard fare. Okay. That's good to know. You know, it hurts my heart. Like, thinking about like as a kid with Chris Rock, he was like edgy. You like, you know, if you talk about like a kind of like, mainstream edgy comic it was him but then i remember watching him in that parenthood movie grown up grown-ups and i just my heart sank i just can't look at him the same way again yeah that movie sullied your outlook on chris rock <laughs> it murdered my like i imagine like what people viewed as oj simpson like what happened to their childhood when he did his thing that's how i feel about the movie grown-ups with chris rock Sure. I've seen a few stuff with him that where he's not on stage and his persona's a lot different, a lot more uh, mild. Hmm. Interesting. So is it just the subject matter he, he's just he was doing just made him a lot more mild? Uh, on this one? Oh, on, on this particular one? Okay. Well, no. I mean, he's still edgy. He was talking about, you know, going to get cocaine and stuff. So oh. he still has the edge on his stand up. It's just, you know, behind the scenes, I don't think he's that guy. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, what is he like? Late 50s now? Somewhere around there? So. Yeah, probably. You know, I think that's one thing I found so interesting when they were talking about the... um I guess it was on Red Letter Media where they were talking about the differences between like when um, Spielberg and Lucas were doing like the Indiana Jones films. And then with the newest one, it was very um, mild in comparison uh, as far as the subject matter goes. And it just does. It really does make you account for that age part. Like you just kind of start out edgy and then you kind of mellow out. But then like in the upswing, do you get like even more edgy when you're about to die? Because it's like, well, fuck it. I just want to do what I want. I don't know. I don't know either. I guess we'll have to listen to this podcast when we record our uh, our next one in three years. <laughs> if we get any more edgier or less edgy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, in our um, timeline, where are we? Have we gotten to grownups yet? Or we? Just I don't think we're at it- grownups yet. Okay. Well, that's good. Whew, thank goodness. Well, Guido, uh, it's been a while, and 2022 definitely had a lot of interesting films, and we'll get to the Oscars ones shortly, but is there anything uh, you watched through the year that uh, that stuck with you a little? 
Um, yeah, I, you know, well, I, I feel like we should address the timing of this because I, I recently went back and listened to the last episode we did. Oh, like, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And I said something. I said, I said, Biggie, we got to decide if we're going to do this or if we're not going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, I think we should decide that. So uh, we didn't decide. Well, I guess, yeah, we didn't decide that because here we are a, almost a whole calendar year later recording an episode of this. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of need to really figure this out, Biggie. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I'm, you know me by now. I'm so indecisive. Uh, but I agree. I think we should. We should at least do it once a month. I think we should just aim for once a month, and if we feel like we want to go further with it, we will. I don't know, because I kind of feel like I'm getting my mojo back with movies. Like, around that time, I'm like, man, there's so much crap. I, I just, like nothing to look forward to and but now i don't know i think i've kind of gotten that energy again yeah i'm going back and rewatching some stuff too um like I, I one thing em. i really wanted to watch we talked about it was uh a few good men want to sit and watch that again maybe some other uh legal uh movies you know they're always yeah. very exciting yeah i recently uh re-watched michael clayton you seen Michael Ooh. Clayton? You know, I actually have not. It's a George Clooney film, right? It is a George Clooney film. Um, and it's okay. I guess it's touted as one of the better ones. And there's some strong performances, especially from... Man, I can't think of his name. He's in Batman. In the Nolan Batman series. I, I don't know his name, but you'd recognize him. Character actor. Okay. Um. And Clooney does okay. He's kind of playing Clooney. But the whole premise is um, there's a chemical company that, you know, one of their chemicals is killing farmers uh, that use it on their crops. And they're trying to cover it up. And Michael Clayton Clooney is there to, like, fix the issue. And he's supposed to be the best guy at fixing things. But... Uh, you know, throughout the course of the movie, the guy that's leading the case against the farmers that works for the chemical companies has this kind of psychotic uh, bipolar break. And he has a shifting in, in morals. And um, Clooney also kind of feels the repercussions of that. And... Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting and good and strong performances. It was just uh, it, there's not a courtroom scene in the whole thing. There's like a deposition and it's all behind the scenes lawyering and oh. Clooney, who's not a lawyer, running around trying to fix things, even though he's more just a, a window for the viewer into this whole escapade. He, he doesn't fix anything and he's not really good at the job that they show on screen, even though everyone tells you how good he is. Gotcha. The first <laughs> scene sets it up. They're like, a guy does a hit and run, a big wig CEO does a hit and run, and he's at home, and Clooney gets a call, and he's like, okay, I'm on my way, and he gets there, 
And the guy's like, you're supposed to be the best at this, at fixing this. What should I do? And Clooney's like, well, you're going to have to get a lawyer. <laughs> and the guy's like, hold on. Why, aren't you the lawyer? Like, why are you here? And Clooney's like, I fix things. And then the guy basically does say, he's like, so your whole plan is just I should go get a lawyer? Like, I don't need, why am I paying you this money? And that was the start of the movie. It was a confusing whole premise of like setting up why he's good at it when his his equivalent of legal advice is what you could find from a two-bit like YouTube video where it's just like shut up and get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, or just common knowledge like, oh yeah, I'm in a issue that might have potential legal ramifications. Hmm, what should I do? Uh, probably find you a lawyer. You see, that's interesting. I like the premise of the film. Uh, yeah, I've never read a synopsis or anything. I just remember trailers way back when it first came out. Like, that looks kind of interesting, but uh, that sounds even more fascinating than I thought. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I'm like, I'm running into things more. I'm more critical now of, um, I don't want to call it like Mary Sue syndrome. But I don't like it when movies set people up as being really good at something or the best in their field by telling you that, and then they don't do anything to prove it. Yes. And yes. Uh, I also got that a little bit. I rewatched Creed because I'm, I want to watch Creed 3 uh, one of these days. And I rewatched Creed, and that was kind of the same thing of just like you're supposed to take it at face value that Creed, uh, Adonis Creed, is really good at boxing simply because he has Apollo Creed's blood in him because he is his son. And he does a few boxing matches. He does one in like a, a cellar, the opening kind of fight. And then he does another one in a training uh center where he gets his ass kicked and um i think there's one more fight like a professional fight and then he has the main bout and it was just there wasn't enough there to make me believe that he's like good <laughs> he, you're just supposed to take it at face value that he's a good fighter and that is kind of a bummer yeah no that I definitely could see that. And maybe that's one thing that's always kept me from the Creed films uh, is, is like it just made it seem like, oh, he's he's a boxer and he's going to box because his dad boxed. I'm like, I don't know. That wasn't what made Rocky, you know, the original series so interesting. It was a, a guy who's just very below average, but he could just fight because he had nothing else really in his life. And he almost took down the champ like that's interesting. Uh, but I just never took the the whole him, as you said, having that bloodline, having that name and just, just try to be a boxer, maybe try to get love from his dad that he never can now, uh, or that, that pride, uh, in him. So it's cool concept, but just not as good when compared to the Rocky series, at least in that original arc, but it seems like people really enjoy it. I think you gave it uh, four stars. I hear they're great films. I gave the first Creed three stars. Okay. The first it's one. good. It's fun fighting movie. I like boxing movies. You know, I like sports movies. Weirdly, I'm not a sports guy, but I love a good sports movie. Um, something about people dedicating their lives to be good at at a game. <laughs> sure, 
there's a lot of, uh, you know, heroism in, in it, in a sports movie. You can really drum up the drama. Um, yeah, I like a good sports movie. So those are kind of like my Achilles heel. I'll cut them a little bit more slack because in the end, it's just a sports movie. Right. <laughs> The stakes can only go so far. You know, they're either going to win the game or lose the game. Uh, but yeah, I agree. When you have a good sports movie that can really rile up that that human drama uh, correctly, uh, it just, I mean, it, it can just hit home. Absolutely. Well, very nice. Well, I want to talk about one movie that has stuck with me for a while, and that's Elvis, but I'm going to save it for uh, <laughs> later. It has, Hold on, man. can I do something real quick? Oh, of course you can. Um, my Letterboxd is, yeah, you go to Letterboxd, it's just Guido, G-W-E-E-D-O. If you want to follow me on that, I try to leave a little blurb uh, after every movie, and I rank them all as I watch them. I've been doing that since the start of the year to try and, and stay stringent on it. And, uh, you know, if you want to get... Uh, infuriated and uh lose outlook and hope for humanity you can follow biggie size on another box <laughs> and see some of his reviews yeah that our elvis discussion later is going to be very fascinating i've been really looking forward to it but we'll table that one for now i want to talk about the whale okay and i haven't seen it yet okay i won't sh- i won't say any spoilers or anything like that um I mean, I can't really say, you know, story-wise, you just look at it and you probably know where it's going to go. Uh, but, wow. It has been a while since a movie really floored me. And The Well did it. And I already had pretty high expectations for it. I like Brendan Fraser. I'm happy he's kind of having this uh, this comeback of sorts because he's an excellent actor. Um, earlier in the year, I watched, uh, oh, shoot, it's the school movie where he, He's a Jewish kid and he goes to a school and faces a lot of stuff. Uh, I'll, the name will hit me here in a second. Oh, it's called Jew School. Jew School. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Jew, the classic. It's called High School Jewsical. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fantastic movie. You definitely tell he was, you know, kind of getting his feeding, but uh, his footing, but er, for such an early film for him being so young, you could just see his talent and it's fantastic. And he was also with um, uh, the born identity guy. And uh, I think that was probably one of his early roles as well. Uh, but um, he just did laps around him as far as just acting quality. You're but, talking uh, Matt Damon or Matt Jeremy Damon. Renner. Oh, was Jeremy Renner in that too? He was a born at one oh. point, wasn't he? Yeah, he did that Born uh, Ultimatum or oh, Legacy, Born Legacy. Uh, that thank you, that's a good point. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, it's it's Matt Damon, uh, but he was very young and it, that might be his first time in a like a feature film. But uh, great movie. But the whale, holy crap! Just the dialogue is fantastic. The pacing was perfect. It all takes place in one location but how the location just slowly changes as the film goes and like certain uh, things that would happen when people would enter and exit uh, the scene. Uh, it's just 
crazy detail for such a simple set and a simple premise to a film. And I said, I can't talk enough about the dialogue and the uh, even the camera work for him. And and that's interesting because really he's only in like three or four different locations around the whole house. And the fact that you can keep the camera work interesting and really like push some of these scenes to the edge of uh, emotion just by changing the camera location uh, is done so subtly. I absolutely love it. I cannot, I left, not left the film. I stopped watching it. I, you know, turned it off in tears. I cannot talk enough good things about it. And it blows my mind with some of the shit that's on the list currently for best picture that it's not there. It, I'm absolutely mm. floored that it's not there. Yeah. Uh, it's uh it sounds like a really heavy movie. Yeah. It's quite, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite large when it comes to, you know, the emotion and everything. Right. He took on a, it's a lot of weight to that role. <laughs> nice one, Guido. <laughs> you know, no, they could have just uh, got no. Russell Crowe. They didn't wouldn't need to put a fat suit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. He would honestly do a good job. Uh, you're completely right. He, he would be perfect in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen The Well, uh, there's reviews are kind of crazy for it there's some people claiming it's fat shaming and i i don't know about that i don't believe so you know the weight and that part is just an aspect of the story it's you know definitely catches your eye of course uh but it's not the whole the whole thing there's a lot more going on there that is you know I kind of felt applied to myself a little bit. I could take a little bit away from this person's story and apply it to my own life. And great job. I mean, absolutely mm. great job. Okay. I'm going to watch it. Taking every recommendation from you with a grain of salt. <laughs> so let's get into our Oscar discussion. So if uh, you just need a refresher on what's on, we usually just talk best pictures for this. We may get into some other discussions Later, but if you don't know what the best picture list is, here we go. We've got Tar, Top Gun Maverick, The Fablemans, Triangle of Sadness, Avatar, The Way of the Water, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Banshees of Ish Ishnernan, Inisherin, Inisherin. Oh, thank you. All Quiet on the Western Front, Women Talking. And Elvis. So, how should we approach this? Uh, can we just go ahead and knock out some stinkers? Uh, well, your stinkers are far different than my stinkers, I think. <laughs> oh, that could be a fun place to start. What uh, What do you believe out of the, all these films is the worst one on the list? Uh, it's hands down, without a doubt, a small picture called Elvis. No! What? Are you kidding me? No way! Elvis was so bad. I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish the movie. And I don't walk away from movies. I stick them out. And uh, I felt physically ill watching Elvis. It was dizzying. The editing, I blame it on the editing and Tom Hanks' performance, but mostly <laughs> the editing. 
Uh, it's shot like a montage, or it's shot like a music video montage, but the whole thing, two hours and whatever, 48 minutes. Uh, it's a, a push cut into his face with a billboard on the side and, you know, a vignette of a truck that's driving down the road and then a stage with lights and they're blinking. And then he, you know, his shoes get pushed into the frame and he's doing a dance step. All of this takes place in the span of uh, seven seconds. And that's the whole movie is that kind of assault of, of visuals. The editing is horrible. It's a horribly edited movie. <laughs> God. Okay. Okay. I can, I can grant you that. I will say when I was first watching it, and, and let everyone know Elvis is my number one pick. So this, this yeah. is my best picture pick. So we couldn't be on more That's opposite ends. It's insane to me. It's insane to me, Biggie. Okay, I'll make my case. I agree. I do not think Elvis has the best first impression. Even watching it, like, because it begins in like this haze and you see, you know, the lights of uh, the uh, Elvis, of the Vegas Strip going by. You hear this person talking in this odd accent and you just can't really place. Then you see uh, Tom Hanks's fat face over the lens telling you something that you don't understand. And it just kind of keeps going and going and it's kind of starts picking up more and more pace. And it's not great. It's really not great. But if you make it through the film, it starts making a lot more sense on what was going on. And I do not know if that was the best decision, but it definitely makes you appreciate it once you get to the very end on what you were I guess artistically supposed to be witnessing and which is the, the death of Elvis uh, or at least him <laughs> going through the process of dying. I can't uh, imagine a payoff beyond Tom Hanks reaching out from the screen and giving me a hand job that would make that <laughs> all worth it. <laughs> it is man. Because once you, I, I agree it moves fast. The best way I've been able to explain this movie is if, Las Vegas wanted to do a a Broadway style musical for film for Elvis. And that encapsulates everything you would imagine for Las Vegas, you know, glitzy, a little cheap at times and a little rusty, but try to put all that sound, that bombastic energy your way. And that's kind of what Elvis was. He was I mean, not only was he an amazing artists with incredible vocal capabilities but he was flashy he was he was very much in your face um I, you know maybe even at the very beginning they kind of point to him being a bit countercultural. and i guess that's true you know when i'm talking about him not shaking his hips and stuff on stage that's big stuff and i think what i find so interesting is the way they show how um the colonel they call him the colonel i can't remember his real name uh, meets Elvis and kind of the Colonel was in showbiz. He was all about, you know, getting those acts out there and, you know, nickel and diming people. And that's how he saw Elvis. And you see him just grow this talent, this amazing, you know, spectacle of a person. And in the end, you, you're, he's in a zoo. 
you know, he never left the the country, uh, at least initially because of the colonel and him keeping him back because of his own problems that he's having to deal with. But the fact that he was able to grow into this person, but then at the very end, once he realizes that he's been deceived his whole life, uh, he's kind of at that person's will uh, to keep performing, making money, making something of himself to get, you know, past his own demons. And he dies that way. And like no more than, I think, what, just a couple of years older than we are now. He was like 38, 39, something like that. And to see that whole life, go through that whole movie and just see that all that energy, all that was real. And then it just stops so young and why it happened. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, I think that's what I found to be so interesting about the movie was how it utilized that crazy editing, that pace, that anything slower wouldn't have felt like Elvis. It, you know, he didn't get to live into his 70s and on. He died super early and it was very fast. Uh, so I guess that's where I at the end, I started understanding why they did the editing that way. Uh, so I take it you you movie aside, you're an Elvis fan. No, no, no you're never, not. Mm-mm, never. I always respected him. You know, I, I always found enjoyment in his music, but I never owned any of his CDs. I, you know, wouldn't usually turn it on the radio, uh, you know, if I was driving around or whatever. Uh, to but the Elvis have a, station? To the Elvis, yeah, turn it to the <laughs> Elvis station. Uh, but no, I love his gospel stuff, his just normal pop and rock stuff. It's all very good. Um, but I think it just it was just a reminder that we had this amazing talent that still is, I guess he's still the number one uh, record seller. I can't remember which which title he currently still holds, uh, but just to die only six years older than what I am now. It's just blows my mind. Yeah, um, I, I didn't get any of that from it. I was uh, exhausted and wanted it to be over until it until I turned it off. And it was over. And that's that's the most enjoyment I've gotten from Elvis <laughs> is turning that movie off. Man. Um, Tom Hanks was horrible in that. I don't uh He I was don't horrible. Know. His makeup looked horrible. He tried what well, he's supposed to be German. They alluded that he was a Nazi. Yeah, I think they did allude that. I don't think they ever went deep into it later in the film, other than he had a very checkered past. But he's he's he talks with an accent the whole movie, and it sounds it sounds like he's doing like an Asian accent, like an old man Asian accent. If you go back and listen to any clip of him, it's very much. Yeah, I will do I the accent. But. Well, I was trying to think of how it sounds. I was going to try to do it myself. He's almost like, hello, I, hello, Elvis. Like, it sounds no, like. it's not. It's like. Is it not like okay, that? I'll do it. Oh, okay, do it. It's like, oh, Elvis, he will make me lots of money. <laughs> oh, I will uh, make a. Uh, Elvis, a bigger star. That's actually that's pretty, pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, that's actually very close. I think you could have pulled this role off better. 
no, I, I get you. It's odd. It's an odd role for Tom Hanks. I don't know if he was the best pick. And honestly, I don't even know how to compare him. I didn't even know about the manager and how big of a role he played in the whole the whole story. So, but I think I thought he did fine. It was a little weird, though. Uh, the kid was good. He was a good Elvis. He looked like Elvis. He sounded like Elvis. He was good. Yes. I liked uh, some of the modern day takes musically throughout the film. Mm -hmm. uh, Agreed. I think that's as much as I, good I can say about it. That's fair. No, oh, and I'm definitely very much in the minority here. Uh, and, and I don't know if I've met anyone else who actually got any kind of enjoyment out of the film, which it, it surprises me. Uh, but I do think out of these films, it, it is best picture for me. Uh, and that's, I don't know, any other year, I don't think it would have been. And if the well was on here as it, it really should be, it would definitely not be. But um, I just don't know what else to pick on here. <laughs> I just really like Elvis. All right, then what is your, um, what, what's your best film then? I think I know it, but what is your best film? The best movie of 2022 is 100% Everything Everywhere All at Once. That just fascinates me. This movie fascinates me to no end because I don't understand the appeal. So no? I need you to, I need you to, it's about midway <clears throat> in the list for me. I think I have it ranked at number five. Um, and, so while I was watching it, I, it's hard to go back because it's been a year and a, it's been a, a year since I've saw it in theaters and I went to the theater and I saw it by myself and, um, I didn't know what I was getting into. I knew it was, uh, kind of getting some good vibes, uh, on the internet and stuff. I didn't know what the premise was. And, um, yeah, I just, by the end of the movie, there was something that I could see about every character in it and relate it to my own life. Like there's the main protagonist. Uh, I don't remember any of the character names. I'm sorry, but the mom who, you know, kind of reminded me of my own mom. And then there was uh, aspects of the daughter that kind of reminded me of myself and my sister and just our experience with our own mom, not in the same aspect, but just different, you know, in different ways, but there's that parallel. And then the dad is basically my dad. So I just resonated with the characters a lot. And I think that a lot of people resonate with those characters in that story. It's a wild, wacky, outrageous story, but there's this very uh, shared human element to it that uh, just really hits home with a lot of people. I think that's what it is. I don't want to speak for everyone, <laughs> but that's what it was for me at least. And uh, I just uh, felt it was, it was very touching and um, it had like family dynamics. It had the love story between the mom and the dad in it and uh, the mom's own trials and tribulations with her own father. Uh, it, it was just, it had, it had so much of this family dynamic to it that I can't see how people, how maybe you resonated with you, but maybe you didn't have any experiences 
similar to any of those. And may, is that, could that be? That's a good question. I guess I'll just need to unpack my feelings on it because I definitely see where you're coming from. And I think I can relate in certain ways. And I guess that's one thing that is fascinating. This film kind of covers a lot of content. If you're looking at, you know, trying to draw parallels with, you know, feelings you don't have like, Oh, what if I had done something differently? You know, maybe I would have, you know, been able to be successful or whatever in this part of my life. If this thing hadn't occurred or did occur, and I think that's definitely a feeling we all have all the time. You know, I think that that's just part of the human condition is, you know, you feel like you may have made a mistake or missed out on something, that FOMO feeling. Uh, and it could be painful. And I think it resonates with people super successful and maybe not so much, depending on how you define success. So definitely love films that dive into this. And this film, I've got to say, is one of the most creative visually uh artistic i guess would be kind of the same thing um the the script the story the screenplay all of it is so creative and and honestly it is fun um i think it maybe goes to that well a little too many times where it starts losing that charm especially in some of the fighting scenes uh it's just they kind of go on a bit too long and like let's kind of get back to the story part like the, the whole part with the butt plugs. I'm like, I mean, it's it's a funny concept. It may, you know, it's neat, but we need to kind of move on a little bit more and get out of this part. But Look, the, the, the jokes aren't going to land. Like a lot of the jokes didn't land for me, but sure. there's still that underlying story that's good. Like you can't take away from it for it trying to be funny and failing when it wasn't. I mean, it's a comedic movie, but it's not really a comedy, right? Right. It kind of breaks genres too. It's it's a, it's a bit of everything. True, true, and and I feel like maybe in those points it it needed to scale back because uh, it's just what what am I supposed to get out of it at this point? I know the daughter. Oh well, I guess we should say spoilers. Uh, the daughter is the the bad person somehow, and she's making a cosmic donut thingy that sucks everything up. Okay, all that's kind of interesting. But there's just too much other stuff going on that I feel like it 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 dampens that story a bit. It comes back, you know, the very the ending with the daughter and uh, the mother reconciling how all that's handled is really powerful stuff. Really, really liked it. Uh, but there's just too much in between that I felt like stretched the movie out longer than it needed to to tell the story it was trying to tell. Fun though, love fun fight scenes, love creativity. But it cannot hurt pacing. And I felt like that's where it started having problems. I thought uh, it was perfectly paced. It was perfectly paced. And, got, once it, <laughs> and it was peaks and valleys of it. And uh, those in-between moments that, that show up, like when she's having her break, when she can't control it all and she's losing it, uh, and she's kind of jumping in between things in between the universes. Um, and there's these little vignettes of what's going on in that. And there's this super powerful scene where she's talking to her husband and she's a movie star or whatever. And she's talking to her husband in the universe that we started in. And it's not her husband in this new universe. And he just, you know, he has this line in it where he's like, you know, something in, 
in a perfect world, I can't, I'll, I, I'm going to butcher the line, but he says, I, I would love to just sit around and do taxes and laundry with you. And it's, it's like this touching moment that where you know, you kind of understand that love breaks through all of this stuff, at least in this story. And it's, it's neat and it's touching and, um, man, little data really nailed it out of the park. Talk about another underappreciated actor, right? Him and Brendan Fraser are getting all the awards. Yeah. Yeah. They've gotten a lot of recognition. Yeah. Um, I wish I just didn't feel the way I did about this movie because I, 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 on paper, I love it. Uh, but the, the, the whole idea, but it's just something, I don't know. I just can't get past the, if it, it felt like the actual story content was too little the the carry through almost two hours. Uh, I think this would have been a, an amazing short film, like really cut down some of the excess fighting and, and stuff like that. Keep, keep it, but just make it into a smaller movie. That's a little more concentrated. Uh, I think that's my problem, but man, I, I definitely can understand the feeling <laughs> people are getting with the emotions. Just thinking what you think Elvis is a better movie than it this. is it is a better movie no it's not it is it's I'm, unequivocally uh, it's, it's not Biggie it's not a better movie <laughs> no it is it was far more entertaining uh it hit a lot more emotional levels especially since it was about a real person uh it just it just had a lot more energy and emotion Everything everywhere did as well, but it was far more creatively shot. And I mean, I've been mean to look and see what the budget was, because clearly what the only scenes we have are an office building in a van somewhere and that temple area. Like, and they made this movie with just those locations. And that's incredible. Oh, and the laundromat. Like, it's just that is beautiful planning and execution. I just wish the, the subject matter was a bit more. It's wild to me, but yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, what uh, are we? I wonder if our our lists will meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I'm curious about that as well. <laughs> so, uh, Fablemans, I thought it sucked ass. What'd you think? Fablemans, yeah, it was it was fine for what it was. Uh, I don't think it's best picture worthy. I would have forgotten about it. By okay. now, um, if it wasn't up for awards, like it's just a very forgettable movie. I did not like what's the actress's name. I didn't like his mom. His mom was mm -hmm. unlikable character. And I get it. He's using filmmaking to cope with the breakup of his parents. But um, I the whole time I was like, this feels like I'm watching this in like the, in the nineties. Remember when in the nineties, like divorce was a big deal for, for like media. And there was all episodes about divorce and, uh, you know, punky Brewster's fucking friend, her, her, their parents are getting divorced and, and her friends acting out and punky needs to fix it. You know, it's just home improvement <laughs> had an episode, uh, family ties, you know, mm -hmm. full house, all of that had 
a divorce episode. And this just felt like a fucking Steven Spielberg divorce episode. Right. But instead of Punky Brewster, he used filmmaking to fix his problems. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And the film was just kind of a snooze fest. Not that much interesting stuff happens. I I understand. Well, I guess I don't understand. He If he was going to make a movie about his life, he should have just made it about his life. And like, I think I would have found that to be far more interesting than him making this fake family and, and making it kind of based off his life. It just, I just don't know what else to get from it. Little kid likes to shoot stuff and goes through family problems. Okay. The best parts of that movie were when he was shooting the movies, the little home movies that he made. Yes. The first one was great. Oh, I love with the train and everything. Up to that point, I was sold. Other than there's some family shit happens in the middle. Like, well, maybe that's just them trying to get some early stuff going. Uh, then they did the film thing with the train. Like, that looks fantastic. But then we get a lot more boring shit with the family, and I just started losing. Yeah, when they shot the war movie, that was cool. Mm-hmm. How, like, I never even would have thought about using, like, two-by-four planks to step on in holes with sand on them to, like, make mortar fire. Right. There's right. neat little filmmaking tidbits in there that you kind of glean on. Exactly. You know what would have been a better movie? He should have made a movie where he takes one of his little grandchildren. He's got to have one somewhere. And like uh, maybe just luckily enough, he likes that little kid likes to make movies. So he like the movie is about him and that little kid making a movie with just like practical stuff they had around the house or whatever. And that would have been cool. And then the kid's parents get a divorce. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's the drama, (laughs) but no, the movie was, it's a movie. Read the synopsis. You'll know if you might like it or not. Um, Top Gun Maverick. Why the hell is it on this list? Uh, it's hard. I guess it's kind of hard to ignore. They always do this, or at least in recent years of putting one of the movies that made uh, a baffling amount of money in the best picture category. And this is it. Like it made what billions of dollars. Yeah. So, (laughs) and you've got Steven Spielberg saying it saved the film industry. Yeah. People went to the movies again. I went and saw that in theaters. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) It was cool airplanes doing cool airplane stuff. Yeah, exactly. I just questioned it a lot. Like why, why are they having to do this mission? Like, couldn't they just shoot a rocket straight down into the little thing and blow it up? Do we have to have planes there? And then it's like, okay, here's their whole mission. Uh, well, could they not just have that boat shoot even more missiles and blow up those like missile guidance guidance things? They already did it once. Why don't they just keep doing it? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind that as much. I mean, it's a it's an Air Force Top Gun movie. Like, I'm not looking into the specifics of the mission. I did wonder though, where while I was watching it, it was. He went there to teach them how to do the mission. But the whole time, you're just like, he's going to do the mission. Just fucking let let fucking Maverick do the fucking mission, all right? Right. He's going to do the mission. Right. Totally. Yeah, it made no sense. The whole story was built on convenience. 
like making us think we're so stupid to think he wouldn't be involved in it at all. And that's like the whole buildup of the first like fourth of the movie is, hey, you're a crazy maverick. No one's going to let you do any of this stuff. But hey, go teach these kids and pray to God you don't have to do it. Uh, you know, and he ends up doing it. And yeah. it happens exactly how you expect it to. No interesting. Well, there's one slight twist for like two minutes where you think he dies and it sucks like it's just not great uh, but there are so many ways where they could have made it good that's what sucks is a lazy film that's just doing the bare minimum to be coherent and that's just such a bummer uh because we, we know he can be in good like um oh edge of tomorrow and that was called edge of tomorrow yeah awesome movie he did a great job in it he kind of just played himself, which is fine, but the script was good and it did something very interesting with a pretty boring subject, you know, him fighting this war over and over. Uh, this is just the complete opposite. It's just flat and uninteresting. You know, he yeah. just <sighs> smiles it's, and does his little awkward laugh. And it's uh, cool. There's cool stuff. I don't even know. Like, man, compared there's to cool other stuff. stuff. It's not the that flying cool. In jets, man, it's pretty cool. It's not like we've seen this stuff. Like it's yeah, they have a cockpit cam. Interesting. They didn't do anything neat with it uh, because everything else around it is probably CGI. It, I don't no, know. It was it, all practical, man. They were flying, dude. Yeah, but it's still boring. They weren't doing anything <laughs> neat. They <laughs> they, were they doing they, flips and shit, man. It's a controlled environment. It's not like they have anything. Oh my I mean, God. It, at least with like CGI or at least back in the old days where they didn't have it and they were a lot more risky with how they treated this stuff. At, at least there was like a, a chance of like danger or at least with CGI. It's like, OK, we can see the danger. It's just getting looking better and better as years go on. This is like uh, they're just doing a couple little maneuvers and talking on a fake radio. It's just not that interesting. Uh, and, and then the enemy we're, we're supposed to like feel like oh my god the only plane that can do this is this piece of shit from 10 years ago and we're going against these gen 5 fighters gen 5 fighters you hear that so many times be scared of these gen 5 fighters. they don't really have that much of a problem with them they're they're really not even a huge concern so it's like why do i care why do i care about this mission other than they just got to do it. It feels like I'm watching a um, Air Force documentary series that's just boring. Like nothing interesting is <laughs> happening. It's it's bad. It's uh, what would you call it? It's like office space for the military. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It's crap and I'm disappointed with it. You know, I think our roles have reversed over the years. A little oh, bit really? in terms of taste in movies or just how critically we look at them. Yeah, it might be. I just I just want some like human like energy, you know, I, it's just not yeah. enough to have cool stuff in your movie. You, you've got to have some sort of like either uh, like an emotional tie or, or just something that seems logical. You know, I'm not going to believe you in our day and age that you have to fly a couple of F-18s to hit this little base in the middle of a volcano. Come on. <laughs> we don't need that. Okay. Uh, 
I don't know. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. (laughs) Can I talk about one movie that out of all these movies on this list disappointed me the most? Oh, boy. Yes, please do. It's a movie called Tar. Okay, thank you. Good. Yeah, Tar disappointed you, huh? It was just not good. You know, uh, what's her name? Scarlett O'Hara, whatever the actress's name yep. is. Scarlett O'Hara, you got it. Scarlett O'Hara, yeah. She plays this music composer, and the whole film, it feels like she's winking at the camera like, oh, you guys like canceling people? Be careful, because you might get canceled, wink. And as you can imagine, as the film goes on, she gets canceled. <laughs> I didn't and get that at all. You did? Well, there's that no. whole scene where they're in the music room and the kid's like, I won't play this because the I don't know who it was, like Beethoven or... Uh, yeah, one Jacob- of those composers uh, yeah. in like gay people black or people. something, right? Oh, it was black gay, people? I can't. It was some sort of people, which... Yeah. Given the time, you know, it's definitely different than it is now and you can go through all that whole argument. But yeah, that's it's probably true. Um, but he won't play it because of that. Then she goes through a whole tirade of, well, what's, you know, what's racist then? What's racist now? You know, we have to be careful not to cancel people, but enjoy their music. And I'm like, well, you know, that's the decision for each person to make on their own. You know, you, you decide if you believe that or not. Um, but then the rest of the movie is her just trying to cover up, a a, th- a thing where she was doing it with one of her students or something and she killed herself. It's sad. It's a sad subject, but it's so boring how it's presented because you're just following her around in her day to day dealing with stuff. And then the ending is the only part that's kind of cool when she goes the out and punches that composer. Yeah, that was oh, cool. No, no, no. I'm talking to the very, very end. Oh, because I am a big monster hunter world fan. <laughs> God, I don't remember what happened. Oh, you don't? I don't remember. So her, spoiler for Tar, her life descends into nothing, basically, where she has to, she can't, she's this acclaimed, it starts the movie, she's this acclaimed uh, composer, uh, conductor, and uh, her life, you know, goes on a sharp decline to where it ends the movie and she is playing the OST for Monster Hunter World to a bunch of people in cosplay in in a theater in like Taiwan. Oh, is that what she was doing? That's what that was? Yeah. Oh. I recognized the music right away. I'm like, is this fucking Monster Hunter? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't know that was uh in that game, that song. Huh. Um and uh yeah, my biggest gripe and it's just a general preference I don't like it when things, when the main character is unlikable. Like yes. she doesn't do anything that's good. So why am I rooting her for her? I'm just watching her demise. And as satisfying as that might be, in the end, you're, you're, they're billing it like you're supposed to feel sorry for her when they don't give you anything to feel sorry for, I guess. I don't know what, like why at the end of it, I'm just like, okay, well, I just watched a bad person, you know, reap what they sow. (laughs) That's it. Um, And I just, that's something that I don't like. uh, God, what other, like, uh, what's that one show? 
there's all sorts of shows like this. Um, shameless. Everyone's mm-hmm. piece of shit and shameless. I don't like watching that. Uh, succession. Everyone's bad. Like, why am I watching bad characters? I need someone to root for. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, and I, I guess if she had some sort of redeeming quality, well, I guess her redeeming quality is supposed to be her music. And we're kind of more told than shown how good she is. Uh, you know, there's moments where we hear them practicing the music. And yeah, it all sounds, I guess it sounds good. You know, I, and maybe that's one problem the film has. There's no frame of reference. And maybe that just doesn't matter, but we're just told she's like a, a legend in her field. Yeah. Earlier. Um, but the, uh, uh, she could- the start of the movie is it's so wordy. Like it's so, so much big words where my eyes just kind of glass over and they're mm-hmm. talking about composers and, and different ways of composing and conducting and symphony, like etiquette and stuff like that. And using musical, uh, verbiage that I just like don't understand. And that was also frustrating and why I couldn't like really latch on to the movie. Right. And in the end, did it matter? Like all, no, all those discussions didn't matter. It didn't help her solve a problem. All it did was just build still being told like, okay, obviously these people are really like big in their field. Cause they know all this stuff that I don't know. Um, I guess that now I give them credit for being, you know, uh, big players in the orchestra field. That doesn't help anything. I, th- th- that's not interesting either. This movie felt like a template. I think I wrote that in my review, uh, a template for an Oscar movie. Like they just said, okay, this is a template we can follow. Let's just plug in all the pieces we need here. And then that's going to make an Oscar worthy mm-hmm. film. It is modular. And- Yes, insanely. And it sucks because it, it's shot fine. The screenplay and everything it's, uh, takes too long, but you know everything is fine in it. The whole movie is just kind of fine, but it, that makes it almost even worse. Like you didn't even really try. You didn't go that extra step to really add something. You didn't do whiplash, you know, where this movie whiplash could have been this if it was just they didn't want to put in that extra effort of really, you know, getting into your soul uh, with the music. Uh, something still, right. I know absolutely nothing about drumming for a big band or anything. I don't know anything about it, but it made it fascinating and it got me engaged. This did yeah. not. Whiplash wasn't so much about the music. It was about this toxic relationship. That was like the main theme of it. This tar didn't, I mean, it was like the writer the screenplay writer was like, hmm, what's at the zeitgeist of pop culture these days? Um, Me Too. Me Too's mm. big right now. Hmm, who's at the center of that? Harvey Weinstein. Okay, let's take Harvey Weinstein, but change him a bit. Uh, we'll make him a woman. That's it. <laughs> and uh, uh, instead of movies, he'll, he'll, he'll be into classical music. Yeah, classical music. <laughs> Exactly. I I bet you. Did you write this movie? I need because <laughs> I feel like that is the exact brainstorming session verbatim, uh, and that's not a bad idea to go just do something with it, other than the basics. But anyways, yeah, Tar. Uh, it's by far the most disappointing. I guess I was hoping for another really good music centric 
uh, Oscar film and nah, we'll just we'll see if we get uh, another one next year. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and have you seen Avatar yet? I have not. Okay. Basically, if you liked Avatar one, you're going to love Avatar two. Uh, that's Great. why it's on here. Not sure. I think everybody you, knows what they're getting into. Yes. When they go see Avatar. It is beautiful. I will. Uh, that's the only thing I'm going to say to it is, is absolutely the underwater mm-hmm. scenes are truly gorgeous. Everything else. It's, it's Avatar one again. So right. if you liked it, you're going to love it. Um, Triangle of Sadness. Uh, what was your feeling on this one? Um, it was another thing where have like the first two acts of it. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just fucking shitty people again, man. It's just shitty people. And Woody Harrelson pl- kind of plays the voice of reason um, as the ship captain. So a bunch of rich people go on a private yacht, private cruise, and um hijinks ensue and it gets really shitty um <laughs> and uh but then the third act comes and you're finally given someone to root for and that person comes as this very poor worker on the on the boat who you only see passing in in scenes in the first two acts and uh, you're finally given that person, and uh, that was redeeming in it, and interesting. There's some really funny moments. It's a funny movie. I thought I was laughing. I thought it was funny. Um, but there, it, it's very slow at the start. It's very slow, and you're kind of just like, "What is the purpose of this? What is the purpose?" Like you're just introducing rich asshole after rich asshole and seeing how shitty they are to staff and how shitty they are to each other and the staff, how high strung and stressed out they are having to deal with all these rich people. Um, and uh, you're just like, I don't like this. And then uh, a big point in the movie happens and you're kind of given <laughs> you're given relief i suppose in a comedic way almost too long to the point where it then becomes funny again i felt um and then the whole tone of the movie shifts and it ends up being not what you thought it would be i'm trying not to spoil much Uh, but i liked it i liked it um i thought it was an interesting kind of premise. It's one that I've seen before uh, in a few different variations um, of the underdog, the lesser class coming to the top and being over the previous higher class. That's a theme that you've seen in movies. It was delivered pretty well, and I liked the ending. It was, it was a fine movie. Sure. Uh, I hated it, but (laughs) I will say in retrospective, I think I've softened up to it a bit because I agree with you, Guido. There's particular scenes that are uh, powerful in their own way. And uh, especially the relief scene uh, that was uh, quite humorous. And uh, I just think it fit in really well. If you told me that scene was in this movie, like how in the world could that work? But it does. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's one thing after the other and it goes on and then another <laughs> thing happens and then until ultimately the, the thing happens. And it, right. <laughs> and you're watching it and they're sliding around all over the show. <laughs> and you're just like, what else is going to, you look at the timestamp and you're like, I have another hour and 20 minutes of this movie left. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think I just got drugged too down at the beginning. Uh, and that just maybe just set like a really bad tone for me. Like, cause you just see these two young people arguing and, and I'm uh, totally, uh, totally arguing, but also being like super passive aggressive uh, about just dumb shit. And you're like, Oh my God. And it kind of continues, but it gets better. Then about, you said around that time, things start getting more interesting. But to me, after that point, it kind of falls off again. I just feel like there was too many moments where nothing that interesting was going on. And I did not care about the dialogue, except between the uh, Woody Harrelson and the Russian guy. I mean, they were great. Uh, I don't know. It just felt too long. Not enough payoff. It was a bit long. It was definitely. But the payoff I do, was there. I felt there was good payoff. And maybe it just wasn't enough for what I endured <laughs> for me, sure. I, maybe, but I hate to call it. I think I gave it a star and a half. And honestly, Holy I should, Hey, I did not like and a it. half biggie. I think we got to talk about your rating system. here. <laughs> I, the film just needed something and maybe I, maybe the, it's not the film's fault. Maybe it's just me. Uh, the film just didn't hit on all cylinders for myself. I respect it. They tried something. I just, in my opinion, I think they may have failed. <laughs> I sure love that Elvis though. Oh my god, uh, I didn't like Elvis. So we're burning through these now. Banshees of in, in insurance. The Banshees of Insurance. Did Banshees you- of State Farm. Yep. Um Yeah, I liked it. I have it as my number three. Cool. Um, cool. It we're, was we're close. Likeable, you know, fine, kind of little heartwarming little flick. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um with likable characters. God, Colin Farrell's character was so likable. He was such a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Gleason. Is Gleason? Something Gleason. His character was so unlikable. Brendan Gleason. Yes. Yeah, Brendan. I, and, um, and not even in like a manufactured way. Like he just felt like, a, like someone you would generally just come across and be like, ugh. They're just not great, but they feel real. Right. Yeah. And he had the, yeah, the change of heart, which I'm sure, you know, maybe we haven't experienced it quite yet, but we probably will someday. That's (laughs) the testament of growing older and kind of realizing that your time on this earth is finite. And uh, is this what you're good? Like the legacy that you'll have is the kind of theme with his character and um, the uh, Colin Farrell's theme is very much like, well, I mean, it is finite. So I'm just, we're just going to have fun and be happy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And it's this kind of sweet, wholesome ish story about two friends or at least former friends that live on an island in Ireland in um, like the early 1900s, I think. Yes. 
And uh, yeah, it's just a sweet, nice movie and sad. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a, um, it's a, it's one of those films where, you know, they do a lot of outside shots, a lot of people, you know, walking to locations and stuff, but it works so well. Cause it's, I don't know. There's just something about that scenery just kind of adds to the film in, in some way. Maybe it's just how moody it is yes. or it it's just, Ireland, man. Ireland is a character in this movie, you know, both in, uh, in the scenery and in the mannerisms of the people and the personalities. And that's just, you know, you know, it's an Irish movie and it, it leans into that to the point of it being a focal point of it. Like if, if you take that story and you put it in a different setting, I don't think it works as well. Agreed. Yeah. It, it just works so, so well. Um, and you're right. Every character felt so real and well-written, you know, the story, although very, I mean, compared to a lot of the other movies on this list, the story is very small and inconsequential in comparison, but it felt, um, it just felt very real. Like you were actually sitting and watching this go on in real life. And I just don't feel like you get those moments very often, especially with such good actors, uh, and such an interesting setting. I'm uh, just very, very impressed. I mean, I think the reason why it's not higher up on my list is mainly because of that reason as well. It's, you know, I can't really go out and scream from the rooftops that this story is incredible. It's it's not really, but it's not really meant to be. It's just a, a glimpse into two people's lives and how they're coping with their um, existence. And that's great. Well done. Yeah, well done. I have that as my third favorite. I have that one as my fourth. So I think we're very, very close in our feelings. Even our own reviews of them feel about the, the, the same. The top three movies, I would not be disappointed. My top three movies, I would not be disappointed if any one of those won Best Picture. Agreed. Agreed. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Which is my number two pick. Is this my number three? Interesting. It uh, uh very sad. And very um, hard to watch, but also good to watch. It's shot beautifully. Man, that scene where the tanks show up. Oh, my God. Yes. I live for moments like that in movies. Absolutely. So good. Like, just watching it for that scene alone is is enough. It's worth the price of admission. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, and uh, it's, yeah, it's such a pretty movie for such a horribly disgusting content that they display. It's very, they do a, a great job of making war beautiful, mm-hmm. but also disturbing and hard to watch. It's a weird juxtaposition <laughs> that's too too wordy for me but yeah it's a it's a good watch but not one that i'm going to be watching again very soon right yeah completely agree uh i think it hit those themes that we always hear about the the first world war you know that the being the the first one that we kind of lose that rosy picture of what war uh, is and we start seeing what it's become and that's very mechanized because I, I agree with you I mean that shot for the 
uh, with the tanks rolling up is incredible. I think it should be on anyone's reel of best war scenes. Um, and it's even better when you start understanding the context that this was the first time uh, tanks were ever used. I, I don't know about this war, but in, in a war, this was the first time they were actually implemented into the field. And like, can you imagine, you know, all of a sudden you're sitting down in a trench and you just see these mechanized beasts just rolling towards you. And like, what do you do? Uh, it's just, it, it's incredible. I mean, I guess, you know, in some ways we would have that same feeling, but we have like, you know, rocket propelled launchers and stuff. And like, okay, oh, yeah, we would use that when you're just some guy in the 1915s and, you know, you just got shipped to front lines from Germany. You don't know anything about these things. How do you handle them? And that alone is freaky. And they did that so, so well. But I agree. Just these young kids just being thrown into the meat grinder and all the things they've had to experience. And oh, it's just it breaks your heart. But you're right. There's just this beauty in it. Uh, and maybe that beauty is is found that loss of innocence. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so fast. They portray it so quickly. Like they're all signing up and they're lying about their age to go to war and they're excited and they do training and they're excited and uh, they get on the trucks to go there. They're joking and laughing and talking and having a good old grand time. And then they get to the trench and it's immediate the, the regret on their faces. <laughs> I felt it for them, honestly, yeah. like even though knowing what was coming, I'm like, man, you know, everything I've heard and read, like these situations, this is shit that happened. And I felt bad for him. Like, man, that's awful. But yeah, I, I agree. It, it nailed all those uh, things beautifully. Um, you know, I, I kind of struggled. I kind of wanted to put it in the number two spot. I think maybe I just didn't get as tied to the characters. I, I was tied more to their situation that they were in than necessarily themselves. Um, I don't know. In some ways that just wasn't quite enough to get it over the, the number two film on my list. But, um, but still it's a fantastic war flick. If you're interested in what world war one looked like out of everything I've seen, it's by far the best one to, to go and uh, watch. So, oh, wow. oh, sorry, go ahead. You ranked two movies over. You two movies over that, and Elvis is one of them, Biggie. Yes, my number two movie is Women Talking. Mm, I haven't seen it yet. I definitely recommend it. It's another very small film that pretty much takes place in one room, uh, but the content was far more interesting than I expected. Um, it's not perfect, there's one aspect because. Kind of when you're jumping into the movie, you don't really know the time frame uh, that's happening. And but some of the subject matter they're talking about is very, very prevalent of stuff going on today, uh, especially with the uh, uh, with you know women care and things like that. Um, so I found the whole that whole part to be very interesting. We later do clearly find out what the year is, and I think it kind of loses a little bit of its intrigue. Uh, of how they're handling this situation uh, because it's it's neat because they're basically in a barn and the way they're dressed they could be anywhere from like the you know 17 1800s to today uh, you just have no way of referencing it but it was interesting to hear them talk about how they're handling this 
uh, situation that they're in with the the men in their colony. And um, just the way they came about it, some of the other characters that add in insight to how they should handle their situation is, is also very interesting. Uh, and then in the end, they, they make their decision and you see them carry it out. And I just find it all to be very, very interesting, very well-written dialogue. Uh, and I've kind of felt like I was a part of the discussion. Uh, it's, it's a movie I didn't expect to like. I didn't even bother watching it with Meg. I'm like, there's no way we're going to like this movie. I'm just going to throw it on. But I was just captivated through the whole thing. Uh, so definitely, definitely recommend it, especially if you really enjoy interesting dialogue. Uh, I do highly recommend it. Okay, well, maybe I'll watch that tonight. Yeah. I don't yeah, think I'm going to be able to watch Avatar by the Oscars. Nah, don't. You you know what, God, Avatar. I'll talk about it just, a, just for a second. It literally is like they just took the script and just did it again. Uh, even with the same enemies for the same reasons. So don't worry about it too much. If you've seen the first one, you could probably give a good review of the second one. Okay. I just watched <laughs> the first one recently. Oh, you did? Did it hold up for you? No, it's a big stinker. Yeah, man, it's so shocking. You know, these movies make so much money and, you know, they look impressive, but I don't know. Maybe it's just age, but it seems like a lot of people in our age group still really enjoy it. I'm not saying that that's bad or anything. I just feel out of touch with that because it made a lot of money. Yeah. What were we thinking in 2009? Uh, as a ooh. collective people. Man, that's a good question. You know, films at that time, I guess 3D had just come out. And this was the first 3D movie I'd ever saw. And it was quite impressive. I don't know. That's weird. Anyways. I think that covers our films. Uh, so, Guido, could you give me your top three? My top three, uh, in order to what I think will win and what I hope will win is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is my second, and uh, Banshees is my third. Very good, very good. Well, my list, my top three is number one, Elvis. <laughs> number two... <laughs> Women talking <laughs> and number three, all quiet on the Western front. Now I fully, fully, fully expect everything everywhere. The win. I think it's gotten too much love, too much praise for it to uh, not at least be like a 60 or 70% chance of winning. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. Elvis has no shot. I, yes, I would agree. I don't, I don't think it's gotten enough to win. Uh, I don't know what, I mean, maybe women talking has, I don't, I haven't seen it. So, but I, I can't see many, maybe all quiet just for no, all quiet won't win. Banshees. I think it's either Banshees or everything everywhere. Yeah. I think Banshees does have a, a it's got a lot of things that people, the Oscars really like, you know, the, the dialogue between two definitely old white people. And uh, in an interesting setting, uh, so I, it just makes it it makes logical sense that it would have a strong chance. But you know, who knows? Um, but compared to the rest of the movies, I agree. Although maybe Elvis will win. Maybe I was right about Green Book. I did get that one. So yeah. may, maybe I'm somehow like in tune with the uh, Oscar review ballot people. Who knows? 
Talk about a stupid decision to pick Green Book. <laughs> no, it was so good. I'm going to watch Green Book tonight. I, I so- wonder if they now in this progressive uh, era that we're in, if they regret it. Because it's a movie about a magical black man <laughs> being saved by a white guy. I don't know. No, that was not what the movie was about. No, the the no, white baby. guy, he was just taking them around the, you know, all around the, the South. That's fascinating. You know, and how they grow in their uh, views it of was, each other. Well, no, it was about the growth of the white guy and about the oppression of the black guy. They're like the, it, the black guy is uh, merely there to save the white guy. Biggie. No, but he also yeah. grew too. Yeah, he because didn't you know, he didn't he didn't like the white guy because he felt like he was probably, you know, he, he had a uh what what's the term you use? A bias towards him. And but they both had bias towards each other. And then at the end they grew and became friends and understood their differences and uh I, that's beautiful stuff. Mm, I don't know, Biggie. <laughs> okay. I think it's kind of wrapped in controversy. Oh, my God. Well, hey, if you would like to talk about Green Book or any of the 95th Academy Awards films or, hell, any other film, just send us an email or a voice message to justokmovies at gmail.com. We'd love uh, hearing your feedback and everything. And also, thank you all so much. It's it's honestly very touching because um, I know Guido's, uh, I think he's had maybe a couple people ask. I know I've had a bunch of people ask for uh, an episode, and it's just really sweet of you all wanting to hear more of our ramblings and we definitely do enjoy doing it so uh thank you so much and uh guido uh thank you so much for joining me man it's been a blast talking about these movies with you yeah thanks for having me on here on this no, little show that you got here <laughs> it's more like a limited series or like a special now yeah We'll have to we'll have to renew our discussion if we want to continue doing it regularly. Anyways. Yeah, let's see if we can get one out. It, it'd be good news, Biggie, if we could get one out. Today is the tenth. Be a little inside baseball. It's the tenth of March. If we could do one by like the tenth of April, do you think we could do that? We will do that. Oh, committing. All right. Well, hey, thank you all so much. We'll see you again next episode. Take care. Bye.